Are you looking to level up your author business? Are you pounding your head against a wall, wondering what your next step should be? Then join me, Daniel Wilcox. And me, Sasha Black, as we haul ass each week in a bid to level up. Level up. Come along for the ride as we delve deep into the business of writing, craft, entrepreneurship, and every level of the author journey. This is the Next Level Author Podcast. Hello Achievers and welcome to the Next Level Author Podcast, a podcast where we hold each other to account and track our step-by-step progress as we level up our author business. My name is Sasha Black and here with me every week is... Daniel Wilcox! Hey! (laughs) (laughs) That was completely unplanned, I would just like to say, but it shows I was listening to you and I don't always though. (laughs) I was wondering if I was going to catch you out with that. No. I thought I'd try. <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I, you know, you know, I was a thespian before, darling. I can improv. <laughs> prepared, just ready for it. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm all excited because for those on YouTube, you'll be able to see these great big bits of MDF or word or whatever you want to call it beside me, <laughs> which is going to be my audio booth, which I'm super excited about because, oh my God, do I need to get my audio, my books uh, recorded in audio and I've got also a huge whiteboard um, which I'm super excited to put on the wall because that's how I like manage my life yeah. is on a whiteboard with these magnetic th- things that I can write on so yeah I'm, I'm excited to like get organized again um, and what what else yeah uh, what, what else is new oh 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 no wait we'll, we'll cover that later yeah that's it for now Okay, cool. Uh, How about well, you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm coming out of uh, the end of a, it's not even been a busy week. It's been, a, it's been a hard week because I decided to give blood on Monday and then that just basically incapacitated me for half the week. So I'm mm. trying to, I've been trying to get through stuff while fighting against my body, which has been fun, but I've managed what, to what, push through. What's your reaction when you give blood? Because I get extremely tired. So we, but for listeners, we both give blood regularly. Um, you blood, don't... blood. <laughs> Yeah, you don't get paid for it, I'd like to say, in the UK. You just, no. it's something that you do, you donate, which I've always thought was really important. Um, mm. um, anyway, but yeah, I I get very tired. I don't know about you, but that's what happens yeah. to me after. Yeah, I think you get to quite early on in the in the evening and, I, and, and then you get really super tired. I have found as well, I don't know if it's related in any way, but I did find that I got ridiculously thirsty because I donated on Monday and then Tuesday and Wednesday. I've just been thirsty pretty much ever since. And I don't mean Do you like, you know, thirsty you... for some... <laughs> Sorry, <that laughs> Vampire! <laughs> Somebody, I'm going to get garlic for the next episode. No, um, what, what, did you hydrate before you go? Because they always say the yeah, evening yeah. before you're supposed to hydrate. Yeah, yeah, I hydrate, I eat. I've, I've, I've donated when I've not, and I know <laughs> what impact that has. So I'm careful yeah. when I go. But yeah, I, I drink their massive drink when I get there. I've already drunk like yeah, I do a few that. pints before I go. I've eaten lunch and stuff, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm all prepared, but yeah, even now I'm thirsty. I don't know what it is, whether someone, someone's going to go in the comments like, you've got this illness, and I'll be like, oh. Yeah. It's like <laughs> thirstitis. Yeah. Doesn't sound good. It's terminal. Oh, no, <laughs> the podcast is so good. I enjoy it every week. What you can do it solo, it's fine. No, I cannot. <laughs> um, it's just not the same w- without you. Uh, oh. Anyway. Yes, weekly confessional. So yes. what have you done, or did you do the thing you said you were going to do? both books and I handed them off I have to say 
finishing them wasn't the issue. It was, um, the, the issue was handing them over because I was absolutely shitting You're going to love my question. About, about, oh God, about handing them off. Yeah, because, um, so I've never, as we've said, I've not really co-written before and I'm very precious over who sees rough, rough, drafts like and I was doing the first draft and so um, I did edit it obviously um, but I only really have one person who's seen like my writing in that raw state and I also masquerade around pretending that nobody reads my work and like, nobody <laughs> reads my published books which is obviously not true because I've sold so many books but you know I, I like to live in denial about these things and um, knowing somebody else who I really respect was going to read my work. Just, just I was like physically shaking over sending them, and uh, yeah, but I did, and I think I had to do something else. Oh yeah, my my Q three goals, which I have done, and um, I have proof. It's in my new journal, um, and yeah, I have done my goals, which I'm now for listeners. I'm showing Dan my goals. And for YouTubers, <laughs> you would have seen them. Um, so I've broken them up by creative goals, marketing goals, business goals, and everything else goals. So I've sort of separated them. Because when you don't I have did, enough goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other thing I did was, um, which I didn't do last time, I separated them by month. So over the three, ah. three months. Yeah, because otherwise I'd just like have this huge mountain of yeah, goals. Yeah, yeah. It's a good idea. And yeah, so I've put, so to be fair, it, July is the heaviest month and September is the least, the lowest month, but they can chop and change. So, but yeah, I just, because otherwise I was going to try and have all of them in my brain. So now I just have some goals for this month, some goals for August and the ones that are in August and September, I don't have to think about. Beautiful. What about you? Nice. I will quickly comment first. If you hear weird creaking, it's because I'm sitting on a creaky chair, which every time I interview, I'm realizing is more and more creaky than I imagined. And I am not farting. I just want to make that clear. Uh, <laughs> My chair does that too. It's leather. It's so well, awkward. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's about, oh! yeah, I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm saying it's like 10 years old now. So I, I'm probably in the market for some new ones. Anyway, uh, so I was going to launch When Winter Comes, episode one, and finish off some client work so that I could crack on with some other things and I launched a book two days ago yeah two Woo! days ago which it, it went it went as I expected um I think because you know it's, it's been a while since I've actually solidly gone into real publishing fiction under my own name um I think it kind of met my expectations with the amount of sales and things are trickling by so it wasn't an explosive launch but it was it was steady and it's it's being read by people which is obviously what I I, I want and then the plan with this book is the next episode is going to come out in two weeks. The next episode after that is going to come out in two weeks. And then after that, it's going to be a monthly cycle of new episodes until the book is finished. And I've got to remember as well that because it is not bite-sized, I mean, each story is, you know, a minimum of 20,000 words. I've got to remember that it's completely blank to what that point was. I've got to remember that obviously it's not like the big story until it's all wrapped up and it's all finished. Um, and then I can, you know, put it all together, audio book it, all that kind of good stuff. So how does that work? So are you, so with those, if it's in 20,000 word chunks, is, is that a full story arc? It's basically, I'm treating it like a TV show. So there's, a, there's an overarching story that's going to tie it all together. And then each 20,000 word episode, it does have its own, I wouldn't say, you know, each, each, because it, it's got quite a few different perspectives from different people. So each section they go through to sort of their little like positive to negative or negative to positive. There's sort of like varying shifts in what the, the attitude is. And then strung, strung through each main episode is 
sort of like a, a real turning point in the story. So it keeps mm-hmm. sort of shifting and zigzagging and hopefully that's enough to, to pull people through. Um, I've had, I've had fantastic, like I'm really, really happy with the reviews I've got so far and what people are saying. So, uh, the first I'm episode, I have to read it at some point. I think. Yeah. Well, the first episode seems to have hit the, hit the right chord, which is good. That's what I wanted. Uh, and then, yeah, the client work I did, um, I've, I've cleared a big chunk of stuff off my plate, which was nice. So I think the last few weeks I felt a bit bogged down in the amount of things that I'm doing, even though I keep taking things on. Um, but I've, I've shifted a, a good chunk of that now. So, um, I'm feeling a lot more on track and sort of on with it. Um, and side note, I've also, <laughs> I've also very nearly paid off my final credit card, which is beautiful and something that uh, I've been wanting to do for a while now. So all, all in a good direction. Amazing. Unfortunately, I uh, now have a <laughs> several hundred thousand dollar <laughs> mortgage to pay off. Hey! Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yay, all the debt forever. <laughs> we, we switched. Um, weekly yeah. personal update. What have you been up to? What, what projects are you working on? Um, okay, so obviously I handed off um, the books to Jay Thorne and... Um, In case I, you know who it was. Yeah. And, Talk to you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got out the dreaded manuscript. So... Mm. Um, this book, it's been two years since I published fiction. I have been writing fiction in the meantime, but I haven't published any fiction because I really need to get this book, uh, third book in my series done. And I don't know what, I don't know why I had this relationship with this this particular book, but it's just been an absolute fuck to try and finish. And I've attempted it twice and um, stumbled and fallen and not got it done twice so I am going back this time and I will finish it and um, I think I'm in a different place in a different headspace so I think I can do it I mean just having read the first couple of chapters I'm already like uh, okay I know I know what needs to change at the beginning to help the rest of it um so yeah I got that out and I've started reading it and um sorting it out in Scrivener so um yeah and then obviously as I mentioned I've been buying MDF Wood for my audio booth and I will be (laughs) working on that and I'm trying to think what else yeah that's like I mean it's only what day is it Friday yeah so that was I don't really know where the last last couple of days are gone but anyway yeah I think I've been doing all freelance work as well so yeah Mm. how about you yeah my my everything at the minute is is when winter comes episode two um because as I say that's it's set up for pre-order. That's already there. People have already pre-ordered it, even though it's not finished. <laughs> and I'm, I'm basically slamming through this quite quickly. So um, I, I will have wrapped up my edits today and then it goes off to an editor and then that comes back. I'll do any tweaks and then basically get that up on Amazon. And in the meantime, I'm going to be slamming through When Winter Comes, episode three, and getting that rolling. Because I, I realized that, because obviously for the past few months I've been saying I'm going to decide the dates when this is going to launch, blah, 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 blah. One thing that I didn't take into account was giving ARC readers time to read it. Mm. So what's happened is I've now set all this stuff up and got it rolling and realized I need to find an extra two weeks at least for like readers to actually have a chance to read through it. So I'm playing a little bit of catch up with myself. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing because if anything, it's just motivating me to, to get it done and to keep moving. Um, mm. And then by the time episode three is written, I can then take a little bit of a break before I approach episode four. Because like I say, from episode three to four, there's going to be a month gap um, in that release schedule. So working on that. And then, yeah, I've got to catch up with a couple of bits of uh, client work as well. But I'm, I'm relatively on top of it. So 
I'm also walking wounded this week. Did I did I message you oh. a picture of my burn? Like it, it's blistered. Darling. It looks like it's a tadpole. <laughs> so for for listeners and watchers, th- those watching will be able to see uh, baked beans, guys. Baked beans. Like <laughs> <laughs> of all the things, the fucking thing is blistered. So like wow. it must be actually quite a bad burn because mm. they don't blister unless it's bad but anyway yeah did you call it down when you were done or did you just leave it oh yeah no like the second it happened i was like cold tap straight under um so i think i got away i think it's not as bad as it could have been but um it literally like the skin bubbled up and peeled back like and yeah and and then like this morning i woke up and it's re-bubbled it's i might scar yeah, I think it is going to scar, mm. unfortunately. War wounded. Before yeah. before we dive into the comments from last week's questions, I did, did also want to add that I absolutely loved listening to your interview with your daddy on the Rebel <laughs> Author podcast. I thought it was fucking brilliant, and he's a person who I want to buy a pint because I want to <laughs> I want to pick his mind and I want to talk to him. And so much of what he said just resonated with me completely. And I think I think it was there were points in that interview where I think you were worried about how that would connect with writing. But mm. totally through through the entire interview, I could I could see like every sort of tangible connection to how you can compare what he does to an author business. So it was it was useful as book. Yeah, which and which is crazy because he is in such a completely different industry. But he is such a fascinating person to talk to, and um, like if you if you get him talking. Well, like, I'll talk to you about this off air. But um, yeah, he is a very interesting person to listen to and also like captivating when he talks Mm. especially in person yeah um but yeah it's funny you say that i have had the most comments about my dad than i think i have (laughs) on any other episode which is so funny and obviously he's fucking reveling in it as well which is i bet furiously irritating for me yeah but um but yeah yeah i i may he, i may have to have him on again at some point in the future although for what i don't know but Definitely. Uh, i mean one thing one thing that i would highlight and i think uh, i messaged you the minute i heard it because it was one of those bits that you hear and you just so oh, i've never heard that put so eloquently and it was it was brilliant was when you were basically talking about the art of negotiation and how you sort of uh you you work those deals with people and he, he literally said the trick is to never go in hungry and that that hits such a chord with me because I think in any business you're doing, if you if you're desperate and you, if you're really like putting everything at stake, and obviously sometimes there's a reality of needing to put certain things at stake to progress. But even with even with the author business, I, I feel like I'm in a position where you know I want this life, I want this to continue, I want all the all the steps coming forward. But I'm not starving for it. I'm not like I'm I'm pushing towards it because I want that to come. And if that happens, then great. But I'm in a position where I'm not I'm not hungry. Um, do you know, does that make sense? I'm not. I'm not sort of like desperately yeah. searching for it. I'm just taking the necessary steps to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he. I loved that comment as well because I'd never heard it put like that. But it made so it's much sense chair. because <laughs> he, I can't hear it creaking. He he was basically saying that if you if you go into a negotiation full, so not hungry, it, what you make essentially do is you take the power back in in the negotiation and the person who technically you should be selling yourself to ends up selling themselves to you. And it's just, you know, it's negotiation psychology. Um, but yeah, he does, he does put it, put it. And I tell you what, 
he has made some fucking deals in his time <laughs> as well. Like he he has made the deals. Yeah. But um. But yeah. Anyway, it was it was a it was a fun episode. Also, yeah, one. Oh, go on. It's by far my favorite rebel story because yes. of the context surrounding <laughs> it. <laughs> so yeah, we'll put the link to uh to that episode in the show notes. One one final comment on that thing as well is uh as, as you were saying about the whole like be full when you go into the interview my mind literally went to that's why they say uh in relationships treat and mean keep them keen <laughs> if you're the one trying to like seek the affection it's it's power dynamics and it's yeah you know, yeah i'm not saying do that in a relationship but it's interesting to think about uh, got your oh, number now <laughs> got my number you know how it's working yeah. so yeah. last week's question was what is your wait, relationship wait, wait, wait. Oh, go on. aren't we supposed to do um the thing we've enjoyed this week where did sure. that come i thought that, that was my now. thing Huh? Oh, 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 thanks. There you go. Did you have one that you want to oh, boast so about? Um, well, I am, yes. Okay, so obviously there has been lots of controversy um, and lots of writing and political issues in America and the UK um, with Black Lives Matter movement. And um, so I created a thread in my Facebook group uh, asking for lots of recommendations on not just Black Lives Matter um, reading material, but also any material from um, any diverse background. So be it mental health, be it disability, be it transgender, be it LGBT, be it um, you know, anything um, from black authors or, or whatever. And uh, one of the books that a very dear writing friend called Tango uh, actually sent me a copy of was Wild Seed by Octavia Butler. And um, I, she is one of the people who inspired authors like N.K. Jemison. And I don't know if I mentioned to you, but I read um, Fifth Season very but wait yeah I think it's fifth season um really recently and that series every single book in the series which has never happened before won the Hugo and the Nebula I think yeah. it was both the Hugo and the Nebula anyway I read the first book and it was spectacular and I'm now reading Wild Seed by Octavia Butler and I I wasn't sure if I would enjoy it when I started it but I, I am loving it and it, it I can really see how it's influenced N.K. Jemison as well so it's like it's really interesting to read a contemporary version but I can almost hear similarities in the voice as well mm. which is really interesting it's an interesting study to have read somebody who was in, influenced by Octavia Butler and now to be reading Octavia Butler and um, anyway it's it is is a fantastic book and it's also there are some biblical um, echoes I suppose that's the only thing I can talk about it so Kush was a character character I shouldn't say character was a person from the Bible um, and and but also it's shrouded like if you if you're into conspiracies then you can also see the echoes of conspiracies in there as well so anyway it is fantastic it's it's really well written um not necessarily the sort of voice i would usually like and i probably don't enjoy her voice as much as i enjoy more contemporary voices but the story is fantastic and i'm really enjoying it and so yes i highly also recommend thank you tango for the recommendation and now <laughs> i'm passing recommendation on to everybody else so read wild seed by octavia butler that's my story we can we can do comments now beautiful <laughs> so last week we asked you guys what is your relationship with risk and how do you manage it and we had a slew of comments sasha we do so hb line said i'm a lot like you sasha 
I don't always see things as risks uh, that others might. I'm very into planning and learning, so I see things differently. But I am quite careful about investing money into myself and my business. I do see that as a risk. I might not make the money back. That worries me a bit, but it also makes me more determined to succeed. And I, I get that. I fully understand it. Um, Val Neal said, I'm pretty risk adverse, but I'm also not the breadwinner in my family. So I can afford to take more risks in my writing career, hoping things pay off in the long run. Mm. Um, Adolfa Selra said, panicking and overthinking. I may have a problem. And then last, but by no means least, Meg Jolly said, super interesting episode. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I was uh, raised incredibly sheltered. So I'm a big old fraidy cat and spent my formative decades being very risk averse. That being said, life is also pretty damn boring when you don't take any risks. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. I think I'm like Sasha in that I see risks very differently to other people because as a full-time author running several businesses, I never thought I'd be so up for being uh, so responsible for everything and having the pressure slash risk of it and I love it and she continues to say other things but yes I think you really being in this industry and being well be, being being an entrepreneur or self-employed I think you you have to like risk and you have to like the pressure of having to deliver otherwise it's just not for you it's almost empowering sometimes to know that it the destiny does lie in your hands and you know some people like that and some people don't yeah completely mm -hmm. Okay, so into this week's question. Now, this question, I, I feel like you're going to hate me for because it's been lingering around in the question sphere for some time. Uh, I'm trying to be quite deliberate with the wording. So pay attention to that. But this week's question is, how do you defeat imposter syndrome? <laughs> how do you defeat imposter syndrome? Well, I don't know that I do. <laughs> uh, defeat it. I don't know. So if, if you want me to give a, let me, let me give you a little bit of time just to think, just so I can explain to anyone who's listening who doesn't know what imposter syndrome is. So imposter syndrome is, is the, uh, I'd say sort of mental state that you don't feel like what you're doing is up to snuff, like you don't fit in, like you're basically just trying to, you're, you're, What's, what's the word? An imposter. An imposter. So, an imposter in yeah. the arena. So yeah, you you feel like everything you're doing could be could be garbage, and you're just really like trying to put stuff out, and it's not happening. And it's more than that. It's a feeling that you don't belong. So like, for yeah. example, if you had recently completed your PhD and you were then going to teach in a university where you then become a peer with your who were your professors is the feeling that you then don't deserve that position of authority you don't belong because you haven't earned it you haven't you don't warrant it your work isn't good enough so it's it's the psychological feeling of not not belonging not not being worthy of and not acknowledging your work such an asshole not acknowledging your work for, uh, for the <laughs> i hate you so much <laughs> for the for the value and worth um oh yeah you're right this is a, this has uh, been lingering for a while and i thought i'd wait until you'd moved and you'd settled and um this is such a hard question because i don't really honestly know how to answer it i think i think every single author suffers with this 
either all the time or at, at some of the time. I'm, I'm probably one of the people who suffers most of the time. Um, and therefore I can't honestly say that I've ever defeated it because it's, it comes around like every time I do something new, I feel the imposter syndrome. I think the worst time I finish, I feel the imposter syndrome is right after I finish something. So it's less, so when, when I'm in the throes of drafting, I don't really feel it because I'm so tunnel vision. I'm such a tunnel vision person that I only have time for the thing that I'm focused on. So if I'm drafting, there isn't, really time to feel that unless I stop which is probably one of the reasons I have such an issue trying to finish tray um so then as soon as I either finish the first draft I finish editing or I publish I tend to then fall in a pit of like oh it's shit I you know and um, blah 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 and um I laugh with but love. then you know I'm I'm I'm, cr- I'm you laugh what sorry I laugh with love yeah. So, but I don't know if that's really the doubt or the imposter syndrome. Um, I don't know how to answer this. This is such a hard, how do I defeat it? I'm, I, I honestly don't think I have. And that is a problem because I think in, in, the more I do stuff, for example, the more I podcast, the less of an imposter I feel. So like when I first started podcasting I literally nearly puked the first time I I was like recording the first time um I I interviewed somebody I was physically shaking uh, you know now I just get on and I'm like blah 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 podcast 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 you know whatever um I just I don't how do I defeat it I just I continue I just the thing with me is and I think I said this on this podcast, it might have been my, on the Rebel Author podcast, I don't know. But when I am afraid, I force myself to do the thing that I'm afraid of. And I think that is the only way through for me. So whenever I'm, so even though, so even though I was shitting myself about sending Jay the books, I knew I was going to do them. I just, because, because I, because A, I'd committed to it and B, um, I was afraid of doing it and therefore I had to do it. And I was afraid of doing it because, you know, what if he didn't like them? <laughs> you know, he's such a fantastic author and, you know, he's an indie legend and therefore what if it wasn't good enough? Um, yeah. And, but I feel like that over everything, even with the anatomy of prose, like publishing that, I was like, who are you to publish that? You're not good enough. What if it's shit? What if nobody learns anything? Blah, blah, blah. On and on and on. It's so boring. Um, but yeah, it, I can't honestly tell you I have a mechanism for dealing with it, which is a problem because it's probably why I suffer constantly. But, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what you say. Before, before I answer, I just want to ask another little follow up on that. So you say that obviously when, when something scares you, you just do it anyway. What would you say to someone listening to this, to this uh question who is thinking well how the, how the fuck do you do that because obviously fear paralyzes people so what about the people that are in that situation what would you suggest to them so yeah okay so with the the fear i ask myself what do i want more do i want to let the fear 
win and I'm competitive, so I really don't want it to win. Or do I, the thing that I want above anything else is this life, okay? I want to write full-time. I want my business full-time. I want to be able to podcast. I want to collaborate. I want to, I want to live in this indie world. That is what I want more than anything. And that is stronger than um, fear. And in fact, I can go one step further than that and say, I think we all have a trait. Okay. Every author who makes it and goes full-time shares this trait whether they like it or not and that trait is obsession Mm. lots of people think that obsession is bad and I'm not you know talking about uh the dsm-5 like psychological um uh definition of obsessions I'm not talking about unhealthy obsessions I'm talking about the obsessive passion tunnel vision grit determination every single indie author who's full-time who has a career um shares this and I will argue until I turn blue in the face that they they share this trait and obsession is like armor it is a shield it is it is it is a parasite far more powerful than fear. Like fear is insidious. It gets into your cells. It gets into your bones, but so does obsession. And, you know, on the weighing scales, obsession is far weightier. It will, it will have your back time and time again. And when, when I face a fear, it's the obsessive bit of me that will defeat the fear time and time again. So my advice would be to embrace that obsession, excuse me, embrace the passion and let it, um, let it make your chair squeak. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, chair. like, yeah. yeah, let it, let it, you know, become powerful because for me, the obsession wants this life more than the fear wants to make me afraid. I love it. I love it so much. Okay, so my answer, I don't know if it's going to make you happy, um, but I, so imposter syndrome has hit me quite bad in the past for particular situations that I've been in. So when I, when I left university, um, my final year, I was the president of the parkour and the free running society. Um, so I led that for a year. I grew it into what it was at Lincoln. Um, ended up inheriting a parkour coaching company off of a friend who ran a coaching company and then left to go and do it elsewhere. So I, I picked up what he left over in, in Lincoln. And the reason that kind of links to imposter syndrome for me is that I was doing all this coaching and then I basically started going to other like uh, community centers, other schools and that and pitching what we did. But I, I never felt like I earned that position because I was basically handed a company. And the reason I was handed the company was because I was one of the only other coaches in Lincoln at the time that did that kind of stuff. So there was that element of I'm not worthy. I've literally just been like, but obviously it was a good thing and I loved doing it at the time, but there was, as I looked to expand, I just found it difficult because I didn't believe that I was worthy of growing it as it was. And then uh, long story short, had an accident, went out um, of the parkour game for a while. And then when I started looking into proofreading and editing, um, it was because my my partner at the time, her mum uh, was a proofreader and editor and has been for 27, 20 odd years. And uh, I, I approached her and said, how do you get into this? How do you make it happen? Because I wanted to look at doing something freelance, something for myself. 
And she got me in touch with a woman who then gave me a load of clients. And I started working and doing editing for like Palgrave Macmillan on academic texts and things for the next couple of years, um, running my own business. And again, that was another situation where I got to where I was like, even though I was doing the work, it felt like I hadn't earned it because I just, I just been given this opportunity. Like it's, it's incredibly difficult um, to get into professional editing and proofreading. And there are, you know, there are qualifications you can get. There are obstacles you have to jump over. There's an entire sort of professional body that, that um, regulates the, the quality and, and the price and everything else. And I basically skipped ahead of all that and got to a point where I was working with clients and, and doing a good job to the point that like the, the woman who was quote unquote mentoring me at the time um, was happy with my work and still didn't have to oversee it too much, which should be verifying itself. But it wasn't because again, it was just like, oh, I feel like there should have been some kind of struggle to get to this point. And I'm not complaining. And I know that obviously it's like really great to be given these opportunities. Bringing this right on to writing, when it, when it came to writing back in 2015, when I was actually putting pen to paper, um, I'd been through publishing processes before I knew editing, I knew all that kind of good stuff. So writing was the next sort of obstacle for me because it was me putting my, myself on the line and going, can I do this? And my first novella did very, very well. And, you know, got me to the point that I met Horgan Cleaver, as we spoke about previously, um, and kind of started me on my writing journey. And I'm now at the point where I worked a full-time job. I did all my writing along the side. I know how hard I've worked to be where I am now. I know the hours I've put in. I know the, the kind of mental struggle it takes to get to where you are. And I think I'm now in a position where, I'm not saying I don't get imposter syndrome, but I'm saying that it doesn't affect me massively because I still write for myself. And I think that's my secret because any book that I'm putting out, even if when winter comes, I'm putting that book out and I know that I'm putting it out fast, but I'm putting it out, reading back up through what I've been doing. And I fucking love it. And I love the story that I'm telling and I love how it's coming out on paper. And I recognize that other people won't write, uh, won't like it. I recognize that some people will like it. Um, and I'm just, I'm just constantly now at a point where I'm, I'm doing the thing that I love. I'm writing for the art of it. I know that I'm putting as much of myself into it as I can. I know that I'm constantly working on craft and I'm basically quote unquote again, doing everything possible that I'm aware of to make sure that I'm succeeding. And I think momentum can be a huge part of it because collaboration for authors came out this time last week. And I'm already looking ahead to writing the next book, the next month fiction book. When Winter Comes came out on technically Monday because Amazon is a bitch. <laughs> um, but then the next book's coming out in two weeks and then two weeks after that. And I know what my next projects are and I know the stuff that I want to be working on. So I think there's an element of, I don't allow imposter syndrome to catch up with me. Mm. And I've had, you know, I get, I do get negative reviews. I get, I, there are certain things that I'm not 100% happy with my work. I'm not saying I'm bulletproof at all. Um, but particularly with when winter comes, I've had like a slew of fantastic reviews, which I'm so, so pleased by when collaboration for authors came out, I had very, very nice compliments from people who I respect massively, um, on sort of the content of the book and the writing style itself. So I think I, I, I'm, I used to be really bad at accepting compliments and I used to fall to the imposter syndrome, but I think I've now sort of bashed my head against the wall enough to know that. I'm doing something right. Um, and again, I'm not saying that everything that I'm doing is correct or that I'm going to be like flawless through and through, but I think just keeping that momentum going and knowing that I'm giving it everything that I have and that's all I can do 
I can't, I can't give more than I'm currently giving now is enough for me to roll past what, what imposter syndrome would be for me. Mm. I think the sense? compliments, yeah, it does. I think the compliments one is, well, hang on. So yeah, I'll finish this and then I'll say what the other thing. Um, the compliments one is interesting. It wasn't until somebody, cause I used to never be able to accept a compliment. Hmm. And then somebody turned around and said, do you know how rude it is not to accept a compliment? Do you know how hard it is to get a compliment? Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? And, and they were like, well, you are rebuffing and pushing back a positive that somebody wanted to give you. And I was yeah. like, Oh, and even though like when I first started accepting compliments, I found it incredibly hard. All I used to do was say, thank you. Because, and that was it. And, yeah. and that's how I started trying to accept compliments because that's, that's all a, all you need to say. And B, um, you know, that then acknowledges the fact that they, their positivity and, and yeah, so I, I don't want to be the person that puts negativity back to somebody who's tried to give me a positive. So I, I do, I still find it hard to accept them, but I will always say thank you now. Um, and, and, you know, and, 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 and that's it. And on the, you were talking about momentum. I think that's, almost I think we are saying the same thing we're just experiencing it slightly differently because that is you know that's what I was trying to say about the podcast you know I've done it so often now that yeah yeah, yeah. you just they're, they're, you know but with the and I know you asked me this because of the stuff with Jay but um you, yeah that is new which is why it's terrifying um and I suspect you know if I do do more collaborations then I will feel less like less impostery um but yes i think i am i think people think i am very confident and i'm not actually (laughs) i'm like this terrified little girl uh most of the time um who has a very vicious bite if you piss her off yes now i i think it's a skill to find the levels of how you let compliments affect you Mm. because there's definitely an element of if you just soak it all up and if you only listen to the good reviews, you're going to, you're going to get um, big headed. You're going to basically get cocky and you, you're sort of going to go completely in the other direction. And I think in a big way, a lot of people in life have been trained not to accept compliments and to look mm. more at the negative stuff because the negative stuff needs fixing as opposed mm. to looking at the positive stuff. And I think partly because of all the self-development stuff I've looked you know, into over the last few years and sort of like the, the people that I watch and, and the journeys that I've, I've studied, the people who who do well and succeed are those that can accept compliments and understand the value of themselves to the point where they can keep moving forward mm. rather than going too far where it hinders them or sort of just constantly questioning what they're doing. Yeah. I think two other tangible takeaways for people, um, if you do suffer with imposter syndrome as well, is um, to A, do what Dan just said, which is to read positive mindset self-help books, because we both do that. And they have, you know, you were talking in one of the other podcasts about you are um, the, the the five things that you do most, that, inf- mm. that, that you are a product of the things that you allow, that influence, influence you the most. And I try and put lots of nonfiction self-help stuff in. Um, so yes, that's one thing I, we both, I would say, recommend. And the other thing is... Um, I have 
a digital, what used to be physical, but digital scrapbook, essentially, where um, the things that really make my day, I will screenshot and put in there. I've nice. probably only gone back and looked in there like once on one day when I was in a really shitty place, but actually just knowing it's there, it's nice, you know, in 10 or 15 years to have a collection of, you know, orange bestseller tags or whatever, just to yeah, see the I, journey I that, that you've been on. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and I will, if somebody sends me a nice email, I'll screenshot it, put it in there. If somebody, if I, if I get an orange bestseller tag, if I, if I get, um, uh, or whatever, if, you know, a nice tweet or something I'll just screenshot it and put it in there I mean honestly I very very rarely go in there but even knowing that it's there is nice because I know that there there are there is a folder of nice things but I mean the, the thing for me is I don't really get validation externally mm. so most of the imposter syndrome is in in here in my head and so I have to do those battles internally for the most part because like negative reviews, positive reviews, they all just hit a wall now for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's all internal for me dealing with this, I think. Mm. But yeah, wicked it's, question. You bastard. Yeah. At the start, I was like, I have no <laughs> idea how I'm going to answer this. But yeah, when you got me going, then I was like, actually, no, I can, I can answer this. So that's yeah, I, I think it's important to say that as well. It's, a, it's an ongoing process. And I know that it's, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not immune to it. And that it will at some point come back when I start looking at other things or whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not affected me personally too badly lately, which has been quite nice. Um, yeah. But the audience, we ask you the question, how do you defeat imposter syndrome? And again, very, very deliberate that, with that wording, talk about how we can proactively try and conquer it. Because if we can try and put some kind of resource together for how everyone collectively battles it, then that, that'll be useful as hell. Yeah. Um, how are we leveling up our author business this week? Um, I think I will be doing three things. I will be priming my audio booth. I will be, I will get, or yeah, so I will, I'll say one class, one module for my course. <laughs> I would, I would love to think I will get many more, but I will say a minimum of one module done for my prose anatomy course. And I will also I don't know how to quantify it, but um, I need to do some work on Trey. I just, so I'm reading through it. I don't, yeah, I, I'm really finding it. I, I, all I can say is I'm going to do work on, I need to have worked on Trey, whatever that looks like, because I don't know if I'll, first. yeah, like I'm reading it now, but I don't know if I'll read all the way to the end before I then start working. I just need to read enough to know that actually I know exactly how to fix this. So, um, reading and or because also i'm then making notes and doing the bloody scene synopsis which i should have done for each scene as i was writing it um outline whatever you want to call it yeah so work on tray at least no one class <laughs> module. Really very deliberate with my wording one module for my for my anatomy of prose course and priming the audio base so three things this week yeah. what about you, you find that so when we first started doing these how we're leveling up there was a part of me that was like I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I'm going to push further than I thought I could because then, you know, it means I'm going to get more done this week. But actually what it's done, which is quite good, is it's actually made me reevaluate how long it takes to do specific things because yeah. you don't want to be that person that gets a forfeit, but at the same time you want to do enough that you are challenging yourself. So finding that, that yeah. middle ground is quite, is quite difficult. Also, it's made me very specific, which I wouldn't <laughs> <have> very <hopeless. laughs> 
<laughs> which it wouldn't necessarily have been uh, before. Yeah. Um, because I'm, what I'm hoping is that I can overachieve on all of these things. Listen, see, this is the secret. Under promise, over, over deliver. deliver. Yes. Yeah, baby. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's, my, it's my ethos for Devil's Rock. Um, yeah, exactly. So my my things are going to be uh, finishing up my edits on When Winter Comes number two, getting over to the editor and then getting in the hands of ARC readers. And uh, I'm going to finish my non-fiction work project that I'm working on at the minute, which I cannot talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to get that done um, by when we record next Friday. If we happen to record on next Thursday, I will have a large amount done, being very deliberately <laughs> with deadlines here. <laughs> Um, but we yeah, are but, so evil to each other. <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna crack one out. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Descended into chaos. And on that note, thank you very much for tuning into the next level authors, and we will see you next week. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> Hungry for more? If you enjoyed this podcast, you can hear more of my angelic accent and Dan's dulcet tones on our other podcasts. For more of me, check out the Great Writer Share podcast. For more of me, listen to the Rebel Author podcast. We'll be back next week holding each other to account as Dan and Sasha become next level authors. authors.